Hello and welcome back to OT Talk with Mr. T, the show where we talk how to live occupationally with using fine motor and functional life skills. We're talking different tips to help us during crazy times. Again, with the help of yourtherapysource.com, first we're going to talk about grading, adapting movements. Then we're going to try to move over to effective rules to use in the classroom and in the home, especially during remote learning times. We want to remind you there's only a couple of weeks left to season four of OT Talk. We're going to end with the end of the school year. Then we're going to take our summer hiatus, God willing. Come back, Blineder Emir Tashem, God willing, with the beginning of the school year, early September, with season four of OT Talk with Mr. T. Today, let's talk about this. Tonight, let's talk about this grade their movement situation. Yourtherapysource.com pointing out, helping us, that there are many reasons why a child may have difficulties with grading the amount of force to use when performing motor skills. Some children may crash bang or push too hard or land too hard when performing actions such as playing tag or running in a gym or jumping. Other children may not push or pull hard enough. Some suggestions to help children grade their force production are as follows. Number one, proprioceptive activities. Remember, there are seven senses in the body, not really five. Besides for seeing, smelling, tasting, hearing, and touching, there's also the movement sense, vestibular. There's also the joint in space sense, how our joints feel and different activities and the like. The proprioceptive. So proprioceptive activities allow for free play activities then include heavy lifting, pushing, pulling, and jumping to encourage the muscles to feel all the different forces and responses required in various situations. When you perform a motor skill, the joints and muscles send messages to the brain. When you change that motor skill even slightly, such as bending your knee a little bit more, reaching your arm a little further, that sends a slightly different message. Then we could also teach our child the proper amount of pressure or force production. Give them examples of what is appropriate and what is not. For example, demonstrate a proper amount of pressure to give when hugging someone. Can the child give you a hug back with the proper, correct pressure? If not, give them some verbal feedback, i.e. it's too soft, it's too hard, or just right. Try this for other activities. Touch a person when playing tag, writing with the pencil, running and stopping on command and the like work on body awareness activities to understand our body to be in tune with our body to help the child learn where they are in space relative to themselves and others then provide verbal cues to help children understand the amount of force to produce for example when teaching a child to respond with less force try pretend you are above a bubble and you don't want to pop. When you are landing from a jump, try landing like a snowflake, slowly falling to the ground, or land like a feather. Practice, practice, practice. Once you have taught them some new skills with regards to force production, how much force you use, practice the skills in different environments. Practice outside, in large open spaces. Practice indoors in small spaces. Practice in loud settings and quiet settings. Practice moving fast and moving slow. Motor planning activities. Now start using these skills in higher level motor sequences. Set up obstacle courses where children have to control their bodies and avoid stationary and moving obstacles obstacles. Practice following verbal commands to move in different directions at different speeds. And postural control activities. Children need a stable core to work off to create proper force production in the extremities. For example, if you cannot hold your shoulders steady, then it can be very difficult to pick up
up a cup of water with the correct amount of force without spilling it. So that was a, some ideas to grade their movements. We're also going to look at some effective classroom and home rules. And then we're going to move over to some po- sports participation, especially at home, what you could do. Some ideas and also modifying playtime, especially if a child has difficulty. So let's look at some effective classroom or home rules. The Teacher Education and Special Education Journal published a review of the literature on creating and managing effective classroom rules and behavior that could also be used in the home. Teachers report that, and parents probably also would report, verbal disruptions, noncompliance, and being off task are frequently observed and are challenging behaviors. Ineffective classroom and home management changes the overall class classroom and home environment affecting students and children's social and academic outcomes and teacher and parent self-efficacy, attrition, and burnout. Researchers identify seven features of effective classroom or home rules. Number of rules. Establishing fewer rules is better. Get the student or the child input when creating the rules. Gather the student or the child's feedback. Discuss with the student or the child. Then create the rules with the students and the children. Be positive. Use wording that describes the desired behaviors when creating rules. Tell the students what you want them to do, not what you don't want them to do. Be specific. Create specific and observable rules. Display the rules. Again, this works for the classroom and especially the home during remote times and in general. Be specific. So create specific and observable rules. Display the rules. Hang up the rules to serve as a visual reminder for students and teachers and parents. Teach the rules. Kids learn from actions more than what we say. They learn from what we do rather than what we say. Say as I do as and do as I say really doesn't work, but say as I do as I act really does. Teach the rules. Make sure you actually take the time to teach the students or the children. For example, explain the rule. Provide the reason for the rule. Give examples of following the rule. Provide examples of not following the rule and provide time to practice. And establish consequences. Create positive and negative consequences. Reinforce good behavior with positive rewards. Make sure the consequences reinforce rule compliance and follow through. Make the negative consequences logical and reteach the rule. Overall, the research indicates that the two characteristics of classroom and home rules that were most important to their overall effectiveness were number six and number seven. Teach the rules and tie the rules to positive and or negative consequences. That also comes from Alter and Hayden, Characteristics of Effective Classroom Rules, Review of the Literature, Teacher Education, Special Education. But really, when it comes down to things, when it comes to teaching kids and teaching students, we really want to show them the behavior, show them what we want them to do. A lot of times in the sessions, if I want them to do something, I explain it to them, I show them how to do it. And even on the computer now, remote working, if we're doing a spot the difference, or we're doing a, a crossword, or we're doing the word find, I show them how to do it. I highlight it for them. I give them the first word. I give them the first clue. I give them the first fill-in. Just so they know what to do, I have to show it to them. I have to visually depict it for them a lot of times, and I have to explain to them what I want to do what with them. A lot of times they'll get it just if you explain it to them and show it to them and practice it for them. And if you reward for good, 
behavior, your reward for them listening and being involved and participating, that also will help a lot. Again, at school, when we're in normal times, not crazy times, I always have those squishies and stickers reinforcing the fact that they came to therapy, they participate in a therapy, and they get something as a reward. Even though it's a little costly, I feel like the, the benefits outweigh the cost by all means. They get this little squishy, they remember where they got it, they came to OT, they did good in OT, they got the squishy, and they got... The stickers, usually both I like to do hand in hand, so even if the sticker's gone, the squishy lasts, and even the squishy's gone, the sticker lasts, but it's something that could have something tangible, a positive reinforcer for the kids so that it could stay to following rules and they could stay to being involved in therapy, and it could be used for the home and the classroom in general. Join us next time as we talk sports participation and maybe modifying playtime here on OT Talk with Mr. T, and I'm your host, Mr. T.